0: life hacks, leadership tips, stories, and fun. It's time for Two Guys on Stuff with Michael Edwards and Tom Tobin. They're executives, entrepreneurs, and great friends. And this is a conversation about values-based, purpose-driven leadership that can transform you, your organization, and the world. Now, let's hear what stuff the guys are talking about this week.
1: Welcome back to Two Guys on Stuff. I am Michael Edwards, and I'm here along with my friend and yours, Tom Tobin. Tom, how are you today?
0: Doing awesome. Doing awesome. It was pretty fun. We opened up our grease monkey, and I'll share with that about that in a minute. But we got opened. I'm wearing my grease monkey t-shirt. Um, totally grease monkeyed out. But it was so funny that when the very first car pulled in this week. All I it was just all of the jitters, and it looked like a bunch of 13 year olds on a prom date for the first time. It was just hilarious, man. They jumped on that first car and all of a sudden it was deer with in the headlights. They were terrified. Everybody was, it just, you could tell like their nerves were about to make them explode. And, uh, so we just said, Hey, you've gone through the training. Every, everything's going to be fine. Now just do what you've learned and, uh, and then they settled into it, knocked it out. We had our first client, took a picture with them, uh, us making our first dollar. And uh, so it was, it was pretty exciting, but it was hilarious to to stand back and watch that. <laughs> they didn't think it was very funny, but they didn't think it was very funny, but it was hilarious.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I loved uh, visiting yesterday and taking the tour. And you just have a neat, neat operation. I'm uh, so excited for you and, and the team and what the future has in store for Tobin Automotive.
0: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it, it's the civilo community has been um, great to receive us, and we're looking forward to uh, to serving um, that community for a long, long time. So, um, yeah, as a matter of fact, that's the topic today, right? Servant leadership, and right. uh, you know, regardless of where you are in the uh, the spectrum of your business, whether you're an owner or you've just started, you've got the opportunity to be a servant leader, and uh, and to leave in lead in that servanthood. And so, you know, that I, I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. I think that um, you had told me about that article that you had read. So um, so tell me about that.
1: Yeah, it was an interesting process. It kind of uh, was one of those uh, rabbit trail things because the article wasn't directly about servant leadership, but it got me thinking more about the need for servant leadership. And I'll tell you about the article. uh, I hope that I pronounced the author's last name correct. I have Nicole Bendaly. Um, and it's an article she wrote for Forbes and it started out referencing a Gallup study, um, the Gallup state of the global workplace, uh, workplace report. And in that workplace report, there were a couple of things that really jumped out. Uh, said that seven in 10 employees are struggling rather than thriving in their overall lives. But wow, you know, Mm -hmm. here we are thinking we're chugging down the road and everybody's excited to, uh, get back to work and we see a report that says seven out of 10 people are struggling rather than thriving. And if you look at the report, it actually defines what struggling and thriving is. It's so it's not just a general term that they threw out there, but it also goes on to talk about uh, 45% of people say that their life has been affected a lot by COVID. And again, a lot. um, How do you quantify that? But uh, you know, if, if it uh, is worth mentioning, people have, been impacted and, and maybe more than we as leaders see. And two other things that really just uh, didn't surprise me, but uh, when I saw it in print, you know, made me pause for a bit. One of them was employee engagement has decreased two percentage points from 19 to 20, from 2019 mm. to 2020. And in that same period, employee stress levels have increased five percentage points. So you know, really interesting article snapshot of what the workforce looks like. And as I was thinking through the four big questions that uh, the author asks, um, it really got me thinking about servant leadership and, you know, running through the the four questions that the author asks in the article. The first one is what does the current state of your company culture look like? And I thought that that's a great question to mm-hmm. ask. And, you know, sometimes we Go down the road 100 miles an hour and don't really think about the culture. But you know, culture is something that uh, needs to be at the forefront of mind. It needs to be measured uh, and you know planned and and worked on intentionally all the time.
0: Well, and that's one of the things that's interesting about that is if you're not an organization that measures, you know, that's in that's very intentional about measuring where your culture is. How are you going to know to the level that you've been impacted. Right? right. I think that's what's you know so sad is that if you're an organization that doesn't intentionally measure it, you don't know if what you are doing absent of COVID, just in general, you don't know if what you're doing is impacting your culture in a positive or negative way. And typically that comes from, you know, a, a leadership structure that doesn't value culture as much as they may talk about it. Um, so you measure the things that you value.
1: Exactly. And,
0: you know, nobody would ever go, oh, who who cares what the PL statement says? Well, you know, obviously that's really important. But if you could if you could value culture with a dollar amount, you can guarantee it'd be on the PL statement, right? And so, you know, people that are wondering what their the current state of their company is, if they don't have a baseline, if they didn't look at it prior to COVID, it's really difficult to gauge it by anything other than um you know the dollars. And that's the number of widgets sold, the number of people served. It doesn't look at what are the long-term ramifications of it, you know? So yeah, interesting.
1: totally agree. And it's interesting too, that, you know, we measure just about every KPI there is under the sun that, uh, you know, relates to business performance, job performance, sales, all that good stuff. But few companies really measure Uh, culture, one of the Mm -hmm. most successful, most vibrant uh, cultures that I've ever worked in. They measured it frequently every single year. And anybody who had uh, more than, I believe, three direct reports not only uh, had a 360 degree survey done for them, but they also came together in uh, the Chicago at the company's headquarters and everybody went through all of the feedback and celebrated successes and then created action plans to fix it. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that was an interesting one. The next one I really liked was what does the ideal company culture look like? Uh, I think, uh, you know, that's, that's a great question to really sit back and think here's where we are. Here's where we want to be. You know, it would be great if they're both in the same place, right?
0: Well, and that's where you begin to see whether your employees values are aligned with the business, you know, Um, because one person's idea might be, I've got a putting, you know, I've got a putting green in the, Hallway somewhere for the employees to play, and we've got free Mountain Dew and snacks. And somebody else's might be, I get an extra week off the year. Somebody else's might be employee benefits. Another might be, you know, I've got the opportunity for overtime. You know, and, and the leaders might be, well, we, we're running at a twenty percent profit margin. So you have to take the time to evaluate that systematically and systemically through, throughout your whole organization, throughout your your whole system um and then begin to look at okay how do we define that for what's important for us as a business entity and and that's where that individuality from one organization to the next comes because businesses have their own personality and if you just read you know a, an article on what the best culture looks like and try and make yours be like that it's like us trying to make our church like every other church you know each organization has a different mission vision you know value and so incorporating that into your company culture is going to be really critical. And so, you know, if you're sitting there right now and you're listening and you're, you're like, going, wow, I don't I don't really know to the extent that COVID impacted our organization, you know, now's the time to do a baseline. You, you can't look back and do one because that's no longer a baseline. Uh, you're just looking retrospectively, but you can establish a baseline line now and begin to work on that, um, especially when you see that employee engagement kind of across the board has decreased so significantly. You know, with all these people working from their homes, oftentimes you know it said, "Oh, it's great. Employees are more productive, and they don't waste so much time on the road, etc." But a lot of that engagement comes through just the daily interactions that they're having, where ideas are generated and relationships are built um, within an organization where everybody's going to work. They're going to the office, and if you don't do something to replace that with at least something as um, as Effective as some FaceTime type of activity via Zoom or or otherwise, you know, you're just going to have a lot of people in their own microcosms uh, going up, getting up to you know their fridge more times than they would if they were sitting in their in their cubicle. So, so yeah. So when it comes to the ideal co- company culture, you've got to bring your people together, evaluate what it is and uh, what you want it to be, and then to baseline it and begin targeting how you're going to to develop it. So.
1: Yeah, that's that's perfect segue to the second question, and and we've already, yeah. or the, I'm sorry, the third question: How will you prioritize and measure? And that's a, you know, a great question. And a lot of companies they don't know where to start, and that's where people like you and me come into play and uh, exactly. develop these great uh, systems to help them prioritize and measure. And and even bigger than that is planning to improve and communicating those two things.
0: Mm-hmm. What would you think is uh if I'm sitting there, you know they're listening to us, but maybe they're just going, okay, what's what do we do first by ourselves? What would you recommend an organization do? Um, that's probably the the precursor to bringing in a consultant, because I think a lot of times people say, well, we can do this ourselves, and if they're going to do that, I think both of us would agree that we want them to do it correctly, or at least don't do it in a way that damages um, the opportunity in the future when they get to that point where they need to bring out in some outside engagement. What can they do today?
1: Yeah, I would say a couple of things. Um, Get clear on who you are as a company and who you want to be as a company. Get very clear on that, Um, you know, because there's an investment, a financial investment and a time investment on building and improving a vibrant culture. And sometimes there's companies who just aren't willing to stomach some of the sacrifices to get that going. So so be very, very clear. On on who you are, and that that might mean just visiting your mission, vision, and values to make sure that they mm-hmm. are uh, exactly where you where you think you need to be. It might be a survey, an informal survey of employees to kind of understand, or focus groups, or things like that. But I think you need to really get clear um, to determine: Are you really serious about this?
0: Yeah. Um, so, what do you think? So, this actually lines up with the fourth question that um, that she asks. What do what do your leaders need? So within the context of that, what are the leaders going to need in order to begin that process, to begin moving forward?
1: And this is one where you really need to take inventory of of the things that they have. Uh, You know, if you take example, for example, returning to the office from COVID and how to continue uh, the things that you have for your culture there, you know, what skills do your leaders have? What skills do they need to get there? Um, Do they have the tools that they need? The training that they need Um, are the leaders indeed going to from uh, good to great. Are they the right people in the right seats? Um, Mm -hmm. You've got to do all of that kind of inventory to assess what you've got, what you need, and then figure out a way to get it. But, you know, it's really around skill assessment, tool assessment, um and providing them those things that they need.
0: Yeah. Interestingly, what we found yet, uh, just yesterday, uh, Mark, uh, my general manager, and Brandon and I, Brandon's our shop manager. And Brandon, you know, it's his new, it, it, it's his first time being involved in leadership. And he asked the question about some people that were hiring, um, what what made people that were, or or what makes someone in leadership not successful if they've been doing you know, their job really well. So he was equating doing your job really well with an opportunity for leadership. And it wasn't with regard to any of the people that were hiring necessarily. He was just trying to learn, like, how do we know when to take um, someone and have, and they're prepared for that next level. And he was equating that to skills, like once they've learned all the skills in the shop, etc. cetera. And that's where we had an opportunity to discuss with him, you know, an, an often re- used uh, measure which you know, the kind of the Peter principle where you're measure you're uh, promoted beyond your level of competence or capability. And how sometimes higher level leaders will mistakenly take someone who's technically proficient and move them into a leadership position where they now have to manage people and processes, et cetera, because they did really well in the job that they had. And so, I think that's one of the things that our leaders need is we need to be able to identify who is technically proficient and who is who is technically capable, but also, you know, able to manage people and resources and communicate effectively. So, um, I was thinking about that just in terms of people that are returning. You know, they they kind of survived the cut um, through COVID, and now they're coming back. So, you may have a lot of people that are there simply because they are able to maintain their role throughout um, the, uh, the stay at home process. And now they're coming back, but they've never had to lead. And so they're gonna need lots of support. And I think that's one of the things that, where you benefit from having outside parties that are less impacted uh, emotionally in the organization and what it's gone through and can be there to, um, almost the red cross, so to speak, of, right. of uh, cultural development and um, taking care of your people. Uh, post COVID. So,
1: yeah. And so as I was reading through the articles, I got to thinking about servant leadership and really wanted to talk about, you know, what is servant leadership. And I thought Many people use the term servant leadership, you know sometimes interchangeably, sometimes they they don't really have a great understanding of the concept. So I thought we would do a couple things, Tom. I thought we'd talk through servant leadership and what it is and then talk about mm. how to apply it. And now, obviously, the t- topic of servant leadership is a deep, deep topic that cannot be really aptly covered in a 30-minute or even a 60-minute podcast. Right. But we wanted to start getting the juices flowing. And uh, you can uh, call us, email us, text us with some questions about how to uh, get moving down the road of servant leadership. And I'll share real quickly how, how I was exposed to servant leadership and how it changed the way I lead and, and the way I live. Uh, in 2006, I was working for an organization that invested heavily in servant leadership. Uh, It started out where uh, anybody with a director title or higher went through this 40 week workshop. And I've referenced it on a handful of uh, episodes in the past. But basically, um, we got to walk through the whole concept of servant leadership and legacy values, mission, vision with some of the most brilliant minds in servant leadership. Um, Just some amazing people. And, you know, that time sequestered uh, in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma, uh, Mm. with with thoughts in a journal um, to kind of understand a little bit more about myself. It was very, very powerful. Um, And, you know, what was what was even more neat was the company um, already had everything sort of set up, if you will, for servant leadership, some small things like. You know, we didn't talk about manager, boss. People didn't really use titles. Everybody was an associate, um, mm-hmm. which put everybody on a level playing field. Right? It was really right. interesting because I came from you know a, another telecom where the structure was a little bit more formal and it, there was a lot of positional power uh, that went on. And uh, moving into this organization, where you know it was very clear that as a leader, matter of fact, the CEO of the company's name was Jack Rooney he said that there's two jobs at this company. There's those who serve customers and those who serve those who serve customers. But mm-hmm. man, what a what a great setup to uh, for, for servant leadership.
0: Right, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I think it's, you know, oftentimes um, people think that you just, you know, it just creates itself. And I think it's really important to note that, you know, servant leadership doesn't happen spontaneously. It happens organically. If I could tell people, if someone said, how how do we create a culture that, you know, really adapts or adopts the servant leader's mindset, I'd tell them three words, be the servant. It's not go and do it's watch me. And when you serve people, others watch you. And that begins to change the culture. Yesterday walked out into our shop at grease monkey, five people, four people standing there, two were sitting, two were standing. And a fifth one was scraping gum off of the concrete. And I was just like, "Hey, thank you for doing that." The other four are watching, and of course, they all stand up because I walk out. That's clear. That's why they stood up. And he's and uh, I said, "Thanks for thinking of that." And I, I really appreciate you wanting to take care of it. He said, "Hey, this is only our second day. We can't have it looking like it was, you know, twenty years from now. We need to take care of it every day." I was like, "That's a servant leadership."
1: Absolutely,
0: issue. That's I mean, that's an example of servant leadership. And the next thing you know you know, the other four guys are looking for something to clean because it may be day two, but guess what? We've seen 20 cars and things got dirty. And so, um, it was a perfect example of that.
1: Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, really getting that attitude, um, or I call it the servant heart. That's not an original term. I think that probably it goes back to biblical times. And when we talk about perfect examples of servant leaders, uh, Jesus Christ comes to mind every single time.
0: Um, Absolutely. If there's anybody that didn't need to uh, have his authority um, questioned, it was him. And the perfect example is what he's washing people's feet. Right. Can you get and and especially in their culture, the feet were disgusting, you know, uh, and to do that would have made you unclean. And he got on his knees and washed people's feet. You know, that is an example of, hey, look you know who I am and I'm washing your feet. Now, what are you going to do? Yeah. I mean, I can't, I wouldn't bear well under the conviction.
1: (laughs) And and, what you said though, that was uh, actually what Jesus said, but that's also, you know, servant leadership in that I'm doing this for you now go and do this for others. Um, That's the multiplication Mm -hmm. part of the servant leadership. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, if you've ever studied any of of servant leadership, um, you've got Robert Greenleaf's book um, mm-hmm. called "The Servant Is Leader," and it is an essay. It is it is literally an essay, um, so it's not the most exciting reading in the world. Um, but I I'm flipping through the pages of it right now, looking at some of the areas that I highlighted back in 2006, and I would say probably half of this book is highlighted uh, with a great things that I could uh, learn and apply in terms of le- servant leadership but mm-hmm. um you know Robert Greenleaf again uh, said to be the father of servant leadership you know he worked for at and a telecom um it, there's a the Robert Greenleaf uh institute for servant leadership um so you know he has really taken uh in in his lifetime taken on the mantle of servant leadership and and impacted thousands and maybe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of folks uh, with with his concepts and practices. And, but, you know, one of the things that uh, you mentioned, Tom, or or, or struck me as you're talking about the employee that was uh, scraping up the gum, that from a leadership perspective, that's what we do. You know, they talk about uh, you know, what's your job title? Well, I am the president of the company. What do you do? Well, anything, you know, I scrub toilets, I, you know, right. do whatever I need to do. And that upside down org chart is really how I view servant leadership. Um, mm-hmm. I am her- here to serve you. Um, and I often a- end conversations with people uh, with a question, you know, what can I do to help you today? Uh, how can I serve you today? Um, Those kinds of things.
0: Well, one of the things that I found, you know, uh, at my last company, there, there was a time when people began to kind of position themselves, you know, jostle for position until. And I wouldn't say this was a giant revelation or that it was the only time. But uh, the there was a one of the locations that we were renting uh, the upstairs bathroom, for some reason, used to stop up a, and it was the ladies bathroom. And the next thing you know, they'd be coming down asking me to or telling me, well, it's, you know, the the toilet stopped up. Then the receptionist would say, well, I'll call the I'll call the plumber. (laughs) And I'd say, hold on. So we're going to make them wait. And we're going to call a plumber to come out and essentially do what's going to take me about one minute. And that is walk upstairs with a plunger and plunge it out and she's and she said "Tom you own the company why would you do that?" and i said "because if i don't number 1 there's the financial side of it we're going to pay a plumber to come out here to plunge the toilet i said number 2 but how would i expect other people to be servant leaders if i'm not willing to do it myself if i'm not willing to do the dirty jobs" and so i went up i plunged it you know and everybody was happy until the next time they stopped it up but You know, that I'm not a perfect example. I'm just trying to be an example of servant leadership. And I think that's the thing is, is that leaders need to, um, you know, kind of organizational uh, aligned leaders, the ones that are at the top of the proverbial food chain and org chart need to begin thinking about that today. And they need to stop and ask themselves, are they willing to do that or is it going to be somebody else's job? Because if it's always going to be somebody else's job because that task is beneath you, then you need to second guess whether or not you truly believe that you're an organization that wants to exemplify uh, organization, I mean, a servant leadership.
1: And, you know, it's interesting in your example, too, is people see that uh, and they see that. This person cares. This person really is there to serve me. And it just lends more credibility to your leadership. One of my favorite examples of of servant leadership and and this process of of building leadership credibility through service is in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, We were in the middle of a uh, blizzard in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, There were about 500 of us in an office building. And uh, once the snow stopped, uh, the director of marketing came over to my office and he goes, hey, let's go uh, clean off everybody's cars. And at first I'm thinking it's really cold outside. There's a (laughs) whole bunch of snow outside and there's about 500 cars outside. So he and I went down uh, to a a couple of other directors offices and said, Hey, we're going to go brush snow off of people's cars. Four of us started out there brushing people's cars off. And by the end of this, there are about 20 of us brushing people's cars off and people mm. were at the windows watching us do this. Uh, they were so appreciative. And it was really cool because these folks braved the weather to come into the office during a blizzard to help take care of customers. And mm. the least we could do was, you know, show appreciation and make it easier for them to get home. That, act they talked about for a long time after and it really gained us a whole bunch of credibility when things uh we had to deliver messages that weren't great uh, it was easier because people knew that we cared about them
0: exactly i mean people i think well definitely I, i'm one i can, can't speak for the world but i'm much more willing to take bad information from someone that i think actually cares and has shown that in the past than someone that acts like they cares because they're giving me bad information right you know so I think that's the thing is, is that servant leadership, we have to begin to recognize it's an inside out process. You know, you, it, it starts with a servant's heart. And that's where you develop, you know, from that you're developing your culture, your mission, uh, vision, and values. Um, it, it's what happens when you bring people together and begin to talk about what's the heart of our organization and what's that going to look like 20 years from now when we're all gone or 30 years from now when we're all gone, what is it that you know, we want people to remember about what we contributed to the organization. So it starts with that servant's heart. And then you have to, you have to get clear on your values and get clear on your purpose. You know, as an organization, yes, you have to generate revenue and you have to be profitable. That's a gimme. But while you're doing that, while you're doing that, what else is it that you're going to do to contribute to the people that are serving, you know, your clients in our our verbiage, it's our guests. Um, so that starts with leaders checking their ego and their title and everything at the door so that they can be in a, in a, in a servant posture, you know? Um, and from a, from a servant leadership standpoint, like what are the things that, uh, and I'll say one is like encouraging, you know, I think a servant leader is there to encourage. What are some other, um, terms that you would be able to kind of get your head head around agree on Mike, Michael, um, in terms of servant leadership. What is it to you?
1: Yeah. Well, I think the first one is caring, right? Uh to mm-hmm. to be a servant leader, people you have to you have to care about people. I almost said, yeah, people have to know that you or think that you care about them. You have to genuinely care about people. If you don't yeah. genuinely care about people, um, then it's it's just, you know, not coming from the heart. Yeah. And They'll know like you mentioned servant leadership is from the heart.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: And I think it goes into, uh, you mentioned encouraging, you know, we're all all great cheerleaders, but I think empowering is also another important thing. Uh, and, and empowering is, in a lot of places, a really scary word. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to empower people to do things because it costs money, um, which if you've built the culture correctly and you've got the kind of the the scales in balance, the people that you empower... Uh, whether to take care of customers or take care of their constituents or whomever they have that balance of making sure that they're taking care of the company financially as well. So um, that empowerment piece is another mm-hmm. uh, really mm-hmm. interesting one, but you know, I, 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 fall back onto the, the, the care piece. You've got to love the people that you work with.
0: Well, uh, Rick, uh, one of the uh, he's our business consultant from national, grease monkey. He says this um, quite often. And he says, if we do what's right for the guests, the guests will, that will be right for our business. And, um, and the rest will take care of itself. And, and that's the thing is, is when you do the right thing and for the right reasons, your, your business will thrive because of it. It doesn't mean that you won't go through ups and downs due to other external outside factors, but at least if my business isn't going to do well, I don't want it to fail. I don't want people within my organization to fail because of something that I had control over. And I think that's the thing at Grease Monkey. It's been interesting to see in just two short weeks, we have all brand new people all coming together for the first time. So they go through those normal processes of team growth. You know, kind of the storm and Norman Foreman. Uh, you know, they they are going through that process right now, and we see natural leaders beginning to come through. We see, we see people who are who are more kind of, I'm gonna use the term maybe stepping back. I, I, I don't mean in slowing down or not doing their work, but you see them and they're, they're the soldiers. They're like, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna grind it out, which is great. You have to have them. Um, and they're no less important than anybody else. But in terms of our conversation about leadership, we've seen a couple of people really step up um, and become emerging leaders. And those are the ones that you want to identify early on so that you can nurture that and teach them how to care for those that don't want to be a leader. And it's okay to not want to be the leader. Um, That's perfectly fine. But what we're actively doing right now is identifying those people who want to be a leader or have tendencies, uh, have abilities, um, are showing just natural um, leadership. And then we want to be able to hone those and begin to mold them. So it's been really interesting uh, to see that develop in our organization in just a brief time. And there's nothing like that first car pulling up after they've been training for so long, you know, or the four cars pulling in at the same time that happened on Friday, four cars pulled in at the same time, one in each bay, two right behind them. And all of a sudden you could tell people's um, voices were elevating. They're beginning to get frustrated, a little agitated. And we had to just say, hey, everyone stop, take a deep breath. You know what to do now, execute and just giving them that positive feedback, helping them to get centered, focus. And the next thing, you know, they began following the drills that they had already prepared for. And that's just that is just such a, a wonderful thing to see. It's one of the things that makes me so excited about where we are right now. Um, just beginning with Grease Monkey and then expanding from there is to see these young leaders and they are just starving um for proper attention. Not starving for attention. I mean they're starving for proper leadership attention to help guide them through that process because they really want to be leaders and they want to do well um, within the organization. And it makes them you just see them physically swell up with pride and their faces beam when um when you're commenting on that and then you see them going back to their team and rewarding their team with you know way to go that was awesome we did great bay 1 you know we did great bay 2 and then they start to get into a little bit of a competition and the next thing you know you know we've got a 25 minute time limit on our on a vehicle so that anything over 25 minutes we start giving away a dollar a minute and uh it was such an amazing thing to see them get um, a 10 minute Buffer on their clock, so meaning that they had a car out in and out because at their time from the moment they drive in to the moment they drive out of the bay, and they had a car in and out in fifteen minutes. And you would have thought we won the Super Bowl and we acted like we won the Super Bowl because that was awesome, but that's where leadership begins. It's identifying these young leaders who who begin to emerge from a um those challenging situations um, and then being very intentional about engaging them, giving them the positive feedback. Sometimes giving them a little—not negative feedback, but hey, this is some areas that you can build on—and then finishing it off with more positive feedback. So, if you're finding yourself in that situation right now in an organization, if you're a CEO, a leader in a large organization, and you don't know how you know your your corporate how your culture was impacted um, over the last year and a half. Today's the data. To start by establishing your baseline and defining what it's going to be. Because I will. I, I can't guarantee, but I would, I would almost guarantee that if you and another organization like yourself were both equally impacted by COVID, that the one who was invested in their corporate culture before COVID fared it better than you did. And that's because of like the example that you gave, Michael. Can you imagine? Not only was it a story to tell each other. And, and to tell new employees and to talk about it at Christmas parties. But can you imagine what that did for them when they saw 20 of their leaders outside in a blizzard cleaning off their cars while they're working so that when they go home, they can go home safe and don't have another 30 minutes of cleaning off a car like that must've meant the world to them. So yeah. again, you know, it goes back to what, like you said, Jack Rooney said, there's two jobs, those who serve customers and those who serve those who serve customers. And uh, and I'm going to steal that. I'm going to take it to work with us.
1: Uh, well, I've stolen it. I've I've uh, shared it with thousands, and uh, you know it's it's part of my uh, customer experience uh, keynote. Uh, it it really simplifies things when you think about it. And it from a leadership perspective, you know, we try to uh, view what we do in a really complex manner. You know, I've got to do all of this stuff, but at the end of the day, if you're focused on serving. Your people, serving the people that uh, take care of your customers, or uh, and, and, you know, you can define customers a million different ways. I, I define customers uh, as Jack Rooney define customers as those who pay their bills. Um, The uh, the others are folks who who serve the customers. Uh, but rounding this 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 whole thing out, it really simplifies what I do as a leader to just so I'm here to serve you. I'm here to mm-hmm. help you make your life easier. I'm here to uh, you know help your emerging leaders become better leaders. I'm right. here to remove barriers, remove obstacles, um, all of the things to help you do your job better. So it, for me, that, that just really simplifies life.
0: Well, and I think for, uh, for our guests here, um, you're, you're planning on doing something to simplify their life as well, right? Uh, tell us about what you've got coming up on this Wednesday.
1: Hey, so uh, I've got some exciting stuff going on this Wednesday. I've got a uh, leadership training called Developing the Leaders Around You. And it's uh, uh, really kind of an informational uh, webinar to help you understand some strategies on leading through influence. Um, And it's all based on teachings from my mentor, John Maxwell. So really exciting stuff. It's about a 45-minute webinar. Um, You can register at uh, the Edwards Group of Texas. The Edwards group TX.com. And, you know, it's all on our Facebook page and uh, LinkedIn and all that good stuff. So it's a pretty exciting webinar.
0: Fantastic. And folks, you need to be listening to that. I mean, pay attention to when Michael's giving away free stuff, telling you, he doesn't give away a lot of free stuff, free stuff, no
1: strings attached.
0: (laughs) Exactly. So, um, you know, two guys on stuff, talking about stuff, giving away free stuff. Who doesn't like free stuff? There you go. Um, So uh, say goodbye, Michael.
1: Hey, I thank you all. I appreciate it. It's another great week.
0: Absolutely. So we're Two Guys on Stuff. You can find us at anchor.fm or your favorite podcast platform. And if you have any feedback or would like to be a guest on the show, have something to contribute to our audience, please drop us a line at info at edwardsgrouptx.com. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to Two Guys on Stuff. Tune in next week as Tom and Michael talk more about leadership stuff, life stuff, helpful stuff, and maybe even your stuff.
1: Until then, keep your stories fun.